Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Bases Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Hoops Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. Going to have a two-part conversation with our buddy Steve Gardner. First things first, we are going to be talking about just what we expect from when the season does start up, some of the logistical things. Much like many of the guests we've had on this podcast, we both expect the MLB season to be starting up in July. So with that, there has to come some logistical things like with regards to how the season's going to be ramped up, a part two of spring training, what have you. So we're going to be talking about those things in the first segment. And then in the second segment, we're going to be diving a little bit more into some of the teams that we think are going to surprise. So it's going to be a nice little two-part conversation. So we're going to be diving into that. Really didn't get in too many Twitter questions. At Squirty one is where you can fire those in. I did get one question as to what is all currently in my refrigerator since obviously... It's been a very, very interesting situation. There's currently no chicken that is at my local grocer. The last time I went, so I had to buy some fat-free cottage cheese, and we've got a whole lot of beer. So that answers that question. And this look at Greg Peterson's refrigerator is brought to you by Simply Safe. As we know, we are in some very uncertain times right now, and there's nothing better than a little bit of peace of mind and safety, as we know. 
every night. Local police departments across America, they receive hundreds and hundreds of calls. They get these alerts from burglary, alarms, and the vast majority of the time, they have no idea whether the alarm is real or fake. Is there actually a crime going on is what they're asking. And all that they know is that the monitor sensor went off, but with Simply Safe, they use real video evidence. This gives the police an eyewitness account of the crime, and that means that police dispatch is going to be up to 350% faster than a normal alarm. And with this, you also get comprehensive protection for your entire home, outdoor cameras, and doorbell alerts keep you abreast of anyone that is approaching your home, and you also get entry, motion, and glass break sensors inside the home as well. Plus, with Simply Safe, they protect your home from fires, water damage, carbon monoxide, and so much more. It is 24-7 monitoring by live security professionals, and this is something that you can set up yourself, or you can have one of Simply Safe's just absolutely tremendous technicians do it for you as well. It's only 50 cents a day without any contract, so go right now to simplysafe.com slash overtime. That is all one word on overtime. O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E slash simplysafe.com slash overtime and you'll get free shipping and a 60-day risk-free trial. You've got nothing to lose. I mean, a lot of us have lost a whole lot these past couple days, but this is one of these all you can do is win situations. So go now to simplysafe.com slash overtime so that you know that our fine show has sent you. That is simplysafe.com slash overtime. We did have a little bit of something fun come up. Our good buddy Danny Vietti, who you may remember was on this podcast a few days ago. He does terrific work for CBS Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Danny Vietti, and that last name is spelled V-I-E-T-T-I. He came up with a little bit of a interesting bracket for some fun as to the best stadiums out there in the MLB. And I do think that this is something that is a little bit useful because obviously home field advantage is big whenever you have it. Now, when we are going to have fans back in the stands is anyone's guess. But with that said, he does have a bracket and here's how things are seated. Seeds 1 and 2 are Wrigley Field at number 2 and Fenway Park at number 1. They wound up getting the buys. And then from there, you've got some very interesting ones. You've got like Comerica Park versus Nationals Park at 16 and 17. In my opinion, it is just blatant that Miller Park, where the Milwaukee Brewers play, that is number 23, and they're going up against the 10-seed Target Field of Minnesota. Target Field, very nice park. But with that said, have Miller Park at 23. Danny Vietti, what are you doing, my man? Now, we can all agree that... Oco Coliseum for the Oakland A's. That is number 30. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. PNC Park maybe a little bit overvalued at number 3, but it looks like they're going to have a nice walk to be able to get to the Final Four unless if Yankee Stadium, the number 6 overall seed, winds up being able to make a run. They're going to be going up against Globe Life Park, but I do think that that's a little bit of fun, and it is very fascinating because I do feel like certain home fields does bode well for a little bit of other teams because we saw with the Tampa Bay Rays the last couple years, Tropicana Field, which is rated number 29 on this list. They were one of the worst teams at home in comparison to on the road. I believe that the last two years they have either been pretty much having the same record home to road or perhaps even a little bit better on the road straight up than they have been at home. So you always want to take a look at that. As we know, Fenway Park has its own little quirks to it. The Red Sox weren't necessarily great at home last year, but that was more or less because of the personnel, not necessarily because it's a bad 
home field. And then what is also very interesting is some of these other ballparks, like Great American Ballpark, as we know, it's a good hitter's park. If you wind up strategizing your roster very well, even though it's number 20 on this list, you could obviously have a very nice home field advantage. As we know, there are some teams that they play very well at home. The San Diego Padres, they're pretty good at Petco, which is number nine on this list because it's obviously a pitcher's park. I know that they have changed the dimensions a little bit, but with that said, that's a team that does a lot better on their home field rather than on the road as well. We actually saw PNC Park be one of the best over parks last year, which I thought was very interesting. And just being able to take a look at some of these splits from the last couple years is something that can help you out with your handicapping. So while it's a lot of fun to be able to take a look at just this little bracket as to some of the best home fields out there in baseball, I do think that it is very interesting to look at because if you've got a roster that is in position to have success in that particular park, it can really make a big difference, especially this year, because we are going to be having a condensed schedule, as you guys know, and just being able to pick up those own wins, as they always say, if you're able to go 500 on the road, you're doing pretty stinking good, and I think that that could be all the more paramount this year. So, just taking a look at teams that they stack up very well on their home ballpark, it's something that you do want to be doing in this offseason period, and have some fun. Vote on all these parks on Danny Vietti's Twitter feed, because I do think that it is a good way to be able to pass a little bit of time, and And it keeps you in tune with baseball as well. So you're essentially doing two things at once because, as we know, we are starving for baseball. So you get a little bit of instant gratification. And at the same time, you're able to get strategized for the season. So just wanted to throw that in there. And now we're going to be having a two-part conversation with our good buddy Steve Gardner of USA Today. He does their fantasy work as well. So we're going to be getting into some of the players that he thinks might be able to exceed expectations. And there's something that I feel like so many of us, including myself, maybe overlooked with regards to some of these younger players as well. We're going to be diving into that and so much more. That is going to be more in the second part and in the first part. We're going to be talking a little bit more of the logistics of this season. And that is up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. Here on MOB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Oops Peterson. It's great to have on our next guest. This is a guy that joined me a couple times on the podcast last year, and he's out there on the East Coast and does terrific work with USA Today. He is a senior fantasy editor, and he also does a great job of keeping up with everything with regards to baseball. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve A. Gardner, as it is Steve Gardner joining me right here on the podcast. And Steve, I know we were talking off air. We're doing about as good as we can do right now and always appreciate the time. So thank you so much. It's been a while, so good to get back in touch. It has been a while. Right now, I should probably be talking about the Sweet 16 with the NCAA tournament and everything like that. Unfortunately, that is not the case. But with that said, what we are looking forward to is at some point we're going to get baseball. I don't know when. From everything I've been hearing, a lot of people are thinking that early July is probably going to be that target date. Obviously, the initial 15-day hiatus that they were proposing, I think we can both agree that it's going to be blown past that. But with that said, when do you think we probably are going to be getting baseball again? And I will preface it with this. None of us have any idea at this point. Yeah, that's the easy answer to it. But I think you're right. And one thing, you know, when we look at some of the other sports, NBA, the NHL, I think they're going to be able to ramp up things faster. Baseball needs a second spring training almost for everybody to feel confident, their routines and their health and all that sort of stuff to get ready. So yeah, I think if we can get a half season 
of baseball. You know, if we can start July 1st and play the rest of the regular season out and figure out all the details about scheduling and playoffs and all of that, I think we'll have a legitimate season. So I think that's what's in the back of, of baseball's mind right now. And Commissioner Rob Manfred, if that happens, I think things will be okay. And what I think too, Greg, is I think we're going to have probably some games played without fans, and then we will see fans allowed into the ballparks when it's safe, whenever that could be. I'm going to hope right now that we can get at least a half of the season in. July 1st, I think would be great. And uh, anything else would be overly optimistic in my mind. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's a little bit of a sad situation, but I do think that we are going to be able to get baseball at some point during the summer. And I know that you were talking about essentially a second spring training. I am right there with you. I do think that that's going to be in order for one, a lot of these new pitchers being able to get in lockstep with their catchers. I think that that's important, but just these guys, because if you just throw them out there without any sort of just ramp up period, they're going to have their arms falling off. You're going to see a bunch of injuries and everything like that. And what do you think would be a good time span for this second spring training? Because I was talking to someone with CBS Sports. They were saying about three weeks will be a fair amount. And I seem to think that that would actually be a very good length of time for a second spring training. Yeah, I think that's probably about right. You know, we see a lot of the veteran players when they come to spring training. We didn't see it as much this year, but, you know, they'll take their time reporting at least last year, not this offseason, but we had guys waiting until late into, you know, even into spring training before signing as free agents. They know how much time they need to get ready. A lot of the veterans, I think, have the system down to where they know their bodies and they can get ready a little bit faster than others. But to make it fair, yeah, I think we've got to have three weeks or something like that, especially for the pitchers to get everybody into game shape to where we can have legitimate games. You know, Remember, we had in the past when we had strikes and things like that and the baseball season did not start on time. Pitchers ramped up when they started the season and were only going five innings. I think we'll end up seeing that even no matter how long the spring training goes. It'll be like, you know, kind of the last week of spring training is where you get the starting pitchers, even the best ones, only going maybe five or six innings at a time. I do agree with you, as we have Steve Gardner of USA Today joining me right here on the podcast. And Steve, obviously, this is not an ideal situation for anyone, but I do think there are a couple guys that are going to be a little bit more well-equipped than others. Any guys that have wound up finding themselves without a team at the beginning of the year, we saw with a couple guys last year. Craig Kimbrell, obviously, was a hot mess with the Cubs. With that said, at the very least, he has a little bit of experience with this Dallas Keuchel as well with the White Sox. I think he's going to be able to have a very good time with this. I also think that the Houston Astros are a big beneficiary of this because, for one, the hate and vitriol probably not going to be as dynamic when the season does start, which we're thinking is probably going to be sometime in the summer as it would have been in, say, late March, early April. So I do think that things are going to die down a little bit with that regard because, you're just hearing absolutely nothing about the Houston Astros right now in the newswire. It's all been replaced by the coronavirus. So I do think that those are a couple of folks that are going to wind up benefiting from all of this. Is there anything else that really comes to mind for you? Because I do think it's going to be very fascinating to see what happens with a condensed season. And I think you're right on with the Astros. When we talk about what's really important in the world, you know, all of a sudden the feud with the guys on the other team and, and what they were doing, you know, a couple of years ago in stealing signs seems a little bit petty in comparison. So hopefully we can move past that fairly quickly. The big difference I see in starting the season late is 
all the players who were injured coming into the start of the regular season who are going to get that extra time to rest and recover and heal. And I'm thinking especially the New York Yankees who were just hit so hard by injuries to key players. Aaron Judge, word was the other day that he seemed to be feeling okay with his rib, wasn't having pain and seemed to be getting better. Giancarlo Stanton moving a little bit better with that calf injury. James Paxton, you know, had the surgery and that whatever removed from his back. He should be a lot closer to 100% once the season starts. So I look at guys like that. Mike Clevenger, another guy, had, uh, had knee surgery was expected to miss at least the first month of the season. Shohei Otani, you know, coming back from Tommy John surgery, that's extra time for him to rest and recover. We'll see a lot more players who we thought would start the season on the injured list a lot closer to full strength, maybe even 100% once we actually start playing these games. I am right there with you. I do think that this is going to benefit a lot of those teams. And I do think that who else is going to benefit is teams are a little bit front-loaded with regards to their pitching staffs as well because we saw it in the postseason. The Nationals were able to win the World Series. Obviously, I don't think that a team for the entirety of the season is going to be going with three starters or anything like that. But now the innings restrictions, they're going to be a little bit less. So you can have guys go out there and maybe go more like six or seven innings rather than five to six because, you know, in the back of your mind, okay, we're not going to have to play 162 games. We're going to be playing more like 90, 80, whatever it has to be. And I do think that these teams are going to let it go a little bit more with these starters, and they're probably going to have to use a couple fewer, I guess you could call them unknown relievers because of the situation in which having a, guess you could call it a half season, is going to allow for some of these guys to be a little bit more fresh once the season actually does start. That's an excellent point, too, with the Nationals. You look at some of the previous World Series winners and teams that have played deep into October. You know, the Boston Red Sox, remember, famously took it really easy on their starting pitchers in spring training. And then once the regular season started, they were not in great shape and were not ready to, to hit the ground running. I think that benefits the Nationals considerably because they did rely, as you mentioned, on those big starting pitchers, Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, Patrick Corbin, for so much of the postseason last year. And those innings, you know, while they don't show up on your uh, the back of your baseball card, they certainly show up in how many innings your arm feels like it pitched last year. So you cut down on some of their innings. Um, I, I think it's a huge benefit to teams like the Nationals that played a lot of postseason games. Yeah, I totally agree with you. As we do have our good buddy Steve Gardner joining me right here on the podcast. And Steve, what else I also think is so fascinating is typically towards the start of MLB seasons, we see hitters get off to a little bit of a slower start. I mean, it's just a combination of a couple different things. Obviously, just seeing live pitching is part of it, but also part of it is you have some of these games starting up in places like Detroit, Minnesota. It is not fun to get jammed inside on a fastball in like 40 degree weather. Heck, we've seen snow out the last couple of years in a couple of these places. I actually do think that hitters are going to be getting off to a little bit of a faster start as a result because when you start up in July, it's going to hurt a little bit less to get jammed up on a fastball on the inner half rather than if you're starting up in Minnesota in April where it's just not going to be a pleasant experience. No kidding. And yeah, you're right. Those, you know, the Colorado hitters where the temperatures can get really cold in April. I think about those guys. And in addition to, you know, Minnesota, the Twins hit more home runs than any team in baseball history last season. And to eliminate those cold weather games in April there at Target Field, 
just think. I mean, their percentage, at least, a number of home runs per game or something could go up depending on what the baseball is like this year. But uh, I think you're right. And I think one of the other guys, too, that I've been looking at, you know, when I'm doing research for the season is a guy like Mike Moustakas, who comes into a great home run hitting park in Cincinnati, where once the season starts, it is going to be nice and warm. It's going to be humid. The, you know, the ball is going to fly and going to a different, uh, a different park, a very home run hitter friendly park. I think he's going to be, you know, to name one guy who's going to benefit. I think he's going to be one of those guys that does. I do think that it's a very good point that you bring up with the Cincinnati Reds as well. I do think that the Reds are going to be one of the top teams out there in the NL Central. Quite frankly, the NL Central is going to be so fascinating because you've got the Milwaukee Brewers, the Chicago Cubs, the Reds who you mentioned as well. And with the Reds, they also bring in Nick Castellanos. He was absolutely amazing for the Cubs down the stretch. I think that he is going to be a very good cog for this team as well. I do think that you're going to have those three teams along with the team that is always there, the St. Louis Cardinals. If you tell me every single year that I have been on this planet, the Cardinals have won between 82 and 90 games, I'd be like, eh, sounds about right, because that's just what the Cardinals do every single year. I think I would accept anything other than the Pittsburgh Pirates being atop of the division right now. I do think that that is going to be a very fascinating race. And on the other side with Steve Gardner, we're going to be taking a little bit more of a look at the NL Central. We're also going to be taking a look at the AL Central. We're going to be taking a look at how this also affects so many younger guys as well, because there are so many young guys that we might not see in the MLB this year because of the situation, and Steve's going to explain why, and that is all on the other side right here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Greg Peterson. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem, so yeah, he better not blow it. We are back here on MLB Overtime Betting with myself, Craig Peterson, and we are joined by our good buddy Steve Gardner of USA Today. You can follow him on Twitter at Steve A. Gardner. He does a lot of their fantasy work. He does a great job of being able to keep up with the baseball beat as well. And going into the break, we were talking about what we were all seeing with regards to the NL Central. I am saying right now that anything other than the Pirates being towards the top of the division is something that I can buy. We take a look at what the Reds did in the offseason. Nothing short of spectacular. The Cubs really didn't make too many acquisitions, but they still got their big boppers with Rizzo and company. I like the fact that the Milwaukee Brewers brought in Brock Holt, and we saw what they were able to do even without Christian Yelich last year. I think that this is the most intriguing league out there in baseball. Because the Pirates, I think, are going to be so bad this year, it's going to let all those other four teams schedule against those Pirates, and when they face each other, what, 19 times inside the division, that helps an awful lot. So not only does it make the division race interesting, but it also helps the team that doesn't win that division in the wild card race. So even if they are knocking off each other, that's just going to be a fascinating, fascinating division because all four of those teams that you mentioned are very good and certainly could all finish above 500. I'm right there with you. And I do think that this layoff in a strange way might help out the Brewers as well, because as we know with the Milwaukee Brewers, Frontline starting pitching, not necessarily their specialty. You've got guys like Brandon Woodruff and company. They do a solid job. A guy like Zach Davies, he gets the job done, but he's not necessarily a fireball pitcher or anything like that. But we saw it for the Milwaukee Brewers, the fact that the relief pitching, it felt like in the month of August really took a dip before they were able to just 
get a very, very fortunate circumstance in which Christian Yelich goes down, but they wind up playing like the Miami Marlins, the Colorado Rockies, the Pittsburgh Pirates. The list goes on and on. I mean, they were just playing cupcake after cupcake at the end of the year, but I actually think that this is going to help out the Milwaukee Brewers as well because, in my opinion, the way that the Brewers operate, you can't do that 162 games out of the year where you're trotting out those arms time and time again. But if you're able to condense the season by half, if you're able to just get a couple quality starts here and there, it's going to allow the Milwaukee Brewers to really play their style and having the better of the farms, especially with September call-ups, which September might now be like a third of the year. That allows the Milwaukee Brewers to really be able to hold down the fort for two months and then, boom, make that postseason run. Well, the other thing, too, you mentioned September, how the rules are going to be a little bit different this year because they're going to expand the active roster to 26. And then after September, they only give them a couple more roster spots to be able to use. So it'll be interesting to see what tack they take. You know, do they use extra pitchers for all of those spots? How do they juggle their lineup? You're going to look at depth throughout the organization, not only just because of injuries, but for filling in those spots and leveling out playing time. I think what we may see, we may see more double headers to try and maximize the number of games that we have. You're talking about the Brewers in that situation, team that reminds me exactly of what you were discussing over in the American League is the Oakland A's. And a team, you know, that looks like they're going to be relying on three young left-handers that pitched very few innings last year in Sean Manaya, who was injured, Jesus Lazardo, who was also injured, and A.J. Puck. Those three guys um, could certainly be, you know, kind of, maybe not necessarily along the lines of the impact of the veterans that the Washington Nationals had last year, but they could be relied on. And they were probably going to have their innings limited this season because they were young and coming back from those injuries. Injuries. Now, limited innings may equal a full season. So a lot of things to be intrigued about once we finally get play started again. I'm right there with you as we do have Steve Gardner of USA Today joining me right here on the podcast. The players I really think lose out a little bit more than anyone else is some of these guys that were really scrapping and clawing for those roster spots. As we know, there are a couple tanking teams that they're going to call up their young guys. Teams like the Kansas City Royals the Detroit Tigers, the Baltimore Orioles. These are teams that they really don't have a whole heck of a lot to lose, but there were a couple guys that were in these just heated roster battles and everything like that, and they're probably not going to be starting out the year at the major league level, and I also feel bad for a guy like a Felix Hernandez. He was on a minor league deal with the Atlanta Braves. He actually looked like he was putting something together with spring training. This guy had been off the last couple years, and it looked like he had finally found his form with him having this massive layoff, who knows what's going to happen there. I think that these are the guys that wind up getting the short end of the stick more than anyone else, although I think we'd both agree the fact that we don't have baseball right now is ultimately the biggest loss. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I wonder about some of those minor leaguers. I mean, they're the ones that are certainly in limbo with, you know, when they're going to get paid and that sort of stuff. Once the scheduled start of the regular season, they're in limbo. And I feel bad for them because a lot of those guys were going to get a chance, you know, some of the young prospects that might not have started the season with their teams to suppress their service time a little bit may not get called up now for the whole season. I wonder about some of those guys you mentioned, guys on like the Orioles and some of those other teams that have some of their top prospects that normally would get a shot midway through the season, perhaps, if they are promising. You wonder how teams are going to play that service time game. And that's one of the things that both the Players Association and the owners are talking about for when we do get started is how do you 
calculate service time. Another thing about that, not to go too far off in a different direction, but you look at a guy like Mookie Betts, you know, the Red Sox traded away to the Dodgers because this was going to be his last year before he goes to free agency. What happens now if we don't play a full season or we only play a partial season? Does Mookie Betts get another year? Is he under contract another year to the Dodgers? Do they get two seasons out of him? These are some really, really difficult questions that do not have any easy answers. I think that that's a very good point that you bring up. And that's something that I really wasn't focusing on either because I love what the New York Yankees did last year with Pete Alonso. They said, you know what? Forget about service time. We're just going to bring them up right away. The San Diego Padres. They've been doing a little bit of that as well with some of their guys, unfortunately, getting injured last year. But they still are a team that rolled the dice. They were able to get some good contributions out of Chris Paddock before he wound up having a little bit of a fall off. And then he actually did close out the year very strong. And then we saw what Fernando Tatis Jr. was able to do as well. No fans are butts about it. That was very good. And I'm wondering if teams are maybe going to be willing to roll the dice a little bit more, especially if they're in the playoff hunt, because we remember last year, the Seattle Mariners got off that hot start, and then they just hit the skids, and they hit the skids hardcore. But if, say, the Seattle Mariners get off to, like, let's just throw out there, like a 15-4 and four start, if you now have a 90-game season, it's much easier to maintain 500 for the rest of the year after you get out to that 20-game hot start rather than a full 162 games because it's like, all right, we've done great, but now we've got 140 games left. But if you get out to that hard, hot start, it's like all of a sudden, hey, we're already 25% of the way through the year. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing too is that some of those teams are being a little bit more proactive in taking players who are coming up through the minor leagues and have not yet reached the majors and signing them to long-term major league contract extensions. Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox, one of those guys, minor league player of the year for USA Today and many other sites as, as well. Such great potential there, a 30-30 player in the minor leagues. They signed him to that long-term deal. So they're going to have him in the major leagues when we start playing. Seattle Mariners, you mentioned them, they did the same thing with a guy by the name of Evan White, a first baseman who they really believe in. They don't really have a first baseman of the present. So they went ahead and signed their first baseman of the future to a long-term deal. And it looks like he's going to be their opening day starter at first base. So I think that's one of the ways that teams have kind of taken a proactive effort with some of these younger players that they know they want to see in uniform and want to see in the majors and are putting them in position to get that experience. I think that that's very good that you point that out as well. I know that the White Sox have been doing that with quite a few of their guys like Eloy Jimenez, we remember from last year as well. They wound up just sending him up to the major leagues. They gave him a big contract. He struggled towards the beginning of the year, but towards the end of the year, it really looked like he was starting to put it together as well. So I do think that that is a team that's locked and loaded. And is there any other real storylines that you're looking at for the major league season? Because just speaking of that topic, I do think that the White Sox have a chance to really be special this year because they did wind up signing Dallas Keuchel, a guy that, as we remember, he wound up sitting out the first couple months of the season. So even though this team is young, Keuchel is able to give them a little bit of a teaching experience as to what he went through last year. I think that that's paramount. And I like the fact that with the White Sox in general as well, you've got a lot of young talent. And I feel like this team was really starting to come together towards the end of the year. They won a couple games that they probably weren't supposed to. And I do feel like this is a team 
that can surprise a lot of people out there in the AL Central, especially if we don't wind up getting the juice ball, which I think we would also both agree. We have no idea what we're going to be getting out of the baseball this year in general. Yeah, I think the White Sox are kind of the mirror image of the Cincinnati Reds in, in making a lot of moves this offseason. You know, one in the AL, one in the NL. Those are the two teams that I'm really interested to see how they develop this season. Now, of course, the White Sox did finish 17 games under 500 last year and 28 and a half games behind the Minnesota Twins in the AL Central. So it's not like they have a good chance to make up all of that ground all at once because the Twins are still very good. But like the Reds, I think they've made significant strides this offseason and they're a very interesting team, particularly because not only the young guys, but as you mentioned, to get the Dallas Keuchel's of the world and Gio Gonzalez, another veteran pitcher that they brought in, Steve Ciszek in the bullpen, you know, bolster the bullpen there to get those guys. Edwin Encarnacion, how can we forget that? A veteran slugger even to add to these young players that are so full of promise and potential. This is just a, a really fun team to watch develop. And, you know, hopefully you know, if they can get the similar seasons from those young players like Lucas Giolito, like Tim Anderson, Yoan Moncada, this could be a very exciting team, not only in 2020, but in 21, 22 and beyond. And what goes lost on a lot of people as well is this is a guy that is not going to capture the headlines or anything like that, but Aaron Bummer was one of the best middle relief guys that I saw all year last year. I mean, the guy had an ERA right around two. I really like what the White Sox have in general. And what I always love is the work that you put out, Steve. I would like to close it up with this. Where can the good people find you on social media? And what are you all working on right now? Since obviously we unfortunately do not have baseball back in our lives, but I'm sure at some point this year we are going to have it back and when that does come about, we are both going to be very busy breaking this game down and doing what we love once again. Yes, indeed. Greg, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Steve A. Gardner, and you can find my work at usatoday.com. I do a lot of fantasy work, and one of the things that we decided to do is to go ahead with our fantasy baseball preview in USA Today's Sports Weekly, which is out right now, our fantasy extra issue. We have a lot of draft prep stuff, and I have a column in there that I talked about some of the things that you and I have touched on here. What do we expect once baseball starts to resume whenever that may be, and how can we kind of recalibrate our expectations? So still a lot of stuff to talk about in baseball. Trying to do that and trying to do some other stuff online for usatoday.com as well these days. Absolutely. And as I always say on my college basketball podcast, bets that are won in February or March when it comes to March Madness, they're actually won in the offseason. So keeping yourself sharp, being able to use these great tools like this podcast, like what Steve Gardner is putting up for USA Today, just absolutely in my opinion, the best thing that you could be doing right now in this off period. So a big thanks to Steve Gardner of USA Today for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting. And if you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have any questions for the podcast, write it into my timeline at GNRS41. A big thanks to Steve Gardner for joining me. And a big thanks to you guys for tuning in. Going to keep this going about three times a week is the final.